You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Hold up right there. This is Mitch of the Geek's Watch. I know you think you're coming in here to listen about The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3, but we're taking a break. That's right. We're taking a break for the holiday hoping that all of you get to have fun with your family this this holiday season during the pandemic. We are taking a break, so please listen to this first episode of The Geek's Watch, and next week we will also have the 100th episode of The Geek's Watch, all in preparation for the 200th episode of The Geek's Watch on December 6th. So have fun taking this trip down memory lane, see how far we've come, The audio in the first episode is pretty horrendous, but know that we will be back in two weeks. Have a great holiday, eat all that turkey, and always remember to geek out. All right. All right, John. You know, you were highly requested after uh, being on Hey Mitch, and now we have our own show. Man, if one person counts as highly requested, sign me up. (laughs) Uh, no, it was more than one person. I mean, maybe it was just one person that you saw, but no, it was, it was great. It was great having you on, and I'm glad that we have our own show now. And uh, I think this is a, it's a, it's a very interesting show because uh, we're calling it the Geeks Watch, which is uh, based off of the Nights Watch on the on Game of Thrones, and we will talk Game of Thrones on the show, review whatever episode just came out, but. Um, the idea is that you know there's only ten episodes a season in Game of Thrones. The rest of it's going to be all about geek news. Um, so we will be the the people that are the gateway to the geek the geek world. <laughs> I guess you could say. Yeah, you don't want to know what's on the other side of this wall, man. <laughs> it's true. It's dangerous. We'll navigate it's, it for them. It's stuck and full of terrors. <laughs> That is awesome. So, John, why don't you go ahead and, uh, since this is episode one, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Well, like you said before, uh, well, actually, I don't think this has been said. Uh, I'm a native of the desert, um, and now I'm living in the mountains in the snow. It really, I can relate totally now to John Snow. <laughs> Being here in Colorado, I've already lived through i believe three blizzards in like a two-month period wow yeah you've only been there for two months you've already lived through three blizzards that's incredible it's pretty yeah it's it's a change man like i said i've never seen or touched snow until like the last two months and wow it's (laughs) you know it's cold but that's coming from the desert did you have winter clothes that were gonna work did you guys have to go buy some new stuff 
I've I've learned the art of layering. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just that put would... on as much of the clothes as I own at a time, and I'm okay. <laughs> Good to see you walking around with six t-shirts on. <laughs> you know, a bonus about that though is that I'm so skinny and frail that like all these extra layers make me look normal. It's pretty cool. <laughs> skinny and frail. I feel like I'm wearing a human disguise. Well, this is true. John is in Colorado, and I am in Arizona. We're still going to be able to give you this uh, podcast every week. Uh, it's not unusual for two people to be in different places when doing podcasts, but uh, just, you know, that's what's going to be happening. Um, I think, we're for the most part, we're going to just start off with uh, geek news in general for, you know, the, the first half of the show. So uh, why don't you hit me with one of your stories, John? All right, well, in the rumor mill, I've been reading that um, we are supposed to be hearing very soon about a possible deal between Fox and Marvel to share their universes. And um, what does that entail? Well, it means that Marvel can play around with mutants again, and Fox potentially can have characters from the Marvel U appear in their movies. Dude, that is so fucking incredible i mean could you imagine if the two companies were working together and and the fact that we okay so you know what hugh jackman has been talking non-stop about making wanting to make wolverine 3 well he's already said it's gonna be his last movie but his last movie is wolverine but he wants to make it old man logan now everything that keeps coming out about the casting doesn't sound like it's gonna be old man logan however right if the two companies were to start working together do you think they could get them get? I mean, you could probably get Hugh Jackman to come back for one more movie to do Old Man Logan, right? Oh yeah, I mean, especially now since he's aged appropriately, that he could pull it off with minimal, you know, makeup. <laughs> this, this is true. Yeah, I mean, though Wolverine doesn't get older, Hugh Jackman the actor does. So yeah, that could yeah. definitely happen, and I, and I, it only makes it that much better. And, um, yeah, I think they're, t- they're using the new uh, Marvel Sony venture with the Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, it's already been reported that even though it's a collaboration between the two studios, uh, Marvel is in complete control. Feige is at the head of it. Although Spider-Man is still owned by Sony, technically. Right. Um, Iron Man, Tony Stark, uh, played by Robert Downey Jr., is reportedly already going to be uh, playing a role in it as well. Right. And that's, so that's interesting. That is very interesting, you know, to see that uh, Tony Stark, or no, Tony Stark, Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. Is, is, you know, ready to come back. And, and why wouldn't he be? He's, he's just made money hand over fist, you know, as this character in the last 10 years. Uh, you know, being the, I think what's re- been reported is that he was able to make it so that his, uh, uh, he gets money every time, you know, Iron Man's in a movie now. So, like, like not just, like, his regular salary, but uh, off the back end. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the comeback kid. He pretty much is Tony Stark in real life now, thanks to all these deals he's pulled off. Yeah, no kidding. So, it'd be great to, to see Fox and, and Marvel be able to share characters again, and then maybe... Uh, we'll finally get a you know great looking Fantastic Four. 
Oh yeah, and a real Galactus, <laughs> and a real Galactus, and and yeah, you know bad. maybe finally Namor. I mean, Namor is a huge part of the Marvel U that we haven't seen on screen yet. I mean, I don't know if if Marvel Studios owns owns Namor, Namor or if uh, Fantastic Four or Fox owns Namor at this point, but you never know. Um, yeah, I, I would probably bet on him being more on the Marvel side because he seems like a. I mean, I, as important as he is to the comics and to the Avengers, I think he's he doesn't have mainstream appeal yet. Yeah, but I mean, uh, well, I mean, uh, it's it's strange. I mean, thinking about like Quicksilver, how he got used by both X Men and Avengers. So, at least in the movie wise, it's it's interesting to think about where where they cut off and where they they decide who belongs to where. True, true. Yeah. I'd um I think as long as Namor is not a mutant, then it's very likely he's not with Fox. Right. That's pretty much what they have is just Mutants. those two. Now have the rights to Ghost Rider reverted back to Marvel? Uh yes, I believe so. Yeah. Because they came back when the Punisher right. came back. Cause they they need to do a good Ghost Rider. <laughs> I don't know how they how they would. I mean, the storyline for Ghost Rider is so I don't know, so simplistic that where do you where else do you go with the character? Uh, it I, I've never read a, a good story, a good Ghost Rider story personally. But then again, I haven't read a lot of them. Um, I just, well, there was one I read not too long ago um, where a couple of rogue angels. That seems to be a theme of things that I like. Um, actually free Ghost Rider from hell in order to use him for their purposes. Oh, really? And I thought that was kind of a neat idea, yeah. Like, he's basically being used because um, at this point he's just completely the spirit of vengeance. Like, he has no like mind of his own. He's just like, you just set him loose, kind of point him in the right direction and let him go and create all kinds of havoc and stuff. Was, that, that was kind of an interesting story. And you don't even need to have uh, an actor it could be all cgi or all just like motion capture and you know not have to worry about um you know who's going to be the next big name star to portray him no it, it just <laughs> it could be somebody big but do it like carl urban style where you actually honor the character and don't try to stick your face on it as much as possible right yeah um it could do that i mean i think i think it probably worked better as a tv show than as a movie so if you want to do yeah. like the same way the Punisher's doing it, which is that's an incredible story that came out this week, you know. Punisher's getting his own Netflix spin-off show or his own Netflix show, which Do you remember an old TV show from the 80s? I think it was called Werewolf. Where obviously it was about a guy who was a werewolf, okay. but he was a good guy. All right. So it was kind of it kind of reminded me of the Incredible Hulk because he was always on the run. And um there was a bad guy werewolf as well who was like I don't know what his, I don't remember because I was a little kid when I saw these and I haven't seen him since but he was chasing him I don't know if he was trying to pull him into some kind of werewolf brotherhood or just wanted to kill him because there was like an alpha male thing but it was really cool because he would get into these situations where he just wanted to be left alone and you know not bother anyone but as it was in the 80s there's always some street punk gang or corrupt <laughs> you know, local official you know, as it would mess with was, him. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
And so that's kind of how I could see a ghostwriter TV show working is like, you know, he's just on the run, wants to be on the download, but everywhere he goes, he sees evil that needs, you know, vengeancing and smiting and, you know, just can't get away from it. It's a curse. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't remember that show. So, uh, <laughs> oh, I would say give it a shot sometime. Maybe look it up on YouTube. I'll I'll look for a link and send it to you later. It's it, I was like a six year old watching a TV show about werewolves, and it had pretty good transformation sequences, although they were you know TV budget. <laughs> pretty transformative. All right, I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know if. Ghost Rider were to do become a TV show with the you know basically what Supernatural being on its twelfth season coming up here and then uh, Grimm is still doing pretty well. Why not have a show where a guy travels across the country, you know, trying to s- catch your demons and stuff like that? Write some wrongs. Write yeah, some wrongs. So well yeah. for Constantine, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. That didn't work for Constantine, but that's NBC. NBC doesn't seem to like to. Keep shows running too long, but they are the ones that have Grimm still on there. So I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to say. It. Hollow is on this last leg too. Is it? Did I heard that? Uh, now I don't watch that show anymore. But uh, I heard that they killed off the like the main girl. I think so. Yeah, I haven't kept up with it recently, but that's what I've been hearing is that they've jumped a shark. Uh, so that could be. That's interesting. Um, cool. Now, I thought was interesting is that it was reported this week that the director of the Flash movie, the one starring Ezra Miller as Barry Allen, uh, Seth Graham Smith, is left the Flash movie. He's he's exited due to creative differences, which you know always just means uh, well, either he wasn't doing something that the that the studio wanted to be done in the movie or the studio wasn't okay with something that he wanted to do with the movie. So, uh, which, you know, I don't know how I feel about this, because he's also the screenwriter of, like, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, and Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Uh, and I don't know if you saw those movies, but they were pretty bad. <laughs> I saw, a, a, like, the first 20 minutes of Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and I said, nope. <laughs> and I appreciate what they're going for. And it's cool that they take chances on stuff like that. Yeah. But it's not what I like. You know, like, I don't know who that audience is that actually goes for these kinds of movies. But I don't know either. I'm like, no, it doesn't do anything for me. kind of feels like a wasted opportunity. Like I could have <laughs> done something much cooler. Um, that being said, on a similar note, I also heard recently that Joseph Gordon-Levitt has left the Sandman Project. Really? He's been working on He's been attached to that for a very long time. Yeah, and it was the exact same reason is that you know he did it's creative differences between him and uh, the studio, which is incredible um, because that's all, would also be Warner Brothers since it's a DC property. But it's not like they yeah. they would include him in the uh, the Justice League you know world because that Sandman doesn't belong in that world. Right. What I'm getting from all of this is that Warner Brothers is in panic mode, and they don't know what they're doing. They're probably <laughs> shuffling executives around trying to see who has the best pitch and how to fix things i mean yeah i mean because uh, like, we're how many weeks out from batman v superman now and it it did an amazing you know first weekend but it has dropped 
every weekend since then drastically and it's what uh globally it's made i think what 855 million uh Mm -hmm. so far but it's not nearly what they thought was gonna they they were gonna make plus for what you know uh they spent on it that's not good (laughs) yeah it's not star wars money yeah it's definitely not star wars money that's not even i don't even think that's avengers age of ultron money yet (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so they yeah i wouldn't doubt it if if the dc warner brothers collaboration is is scrambling to figure out what what they did wrong from what it sounds i mean they're still uh uh full steam ahead with all these projects though that they they keep wanting to do um it just sounds like a lot of the people are dropping out yeah because on the other hand the rumor mill has uh, James Wan, the director of the Aquaman movie, also possibly dropping out. And uh, it says here that the a tremendous amount of trepidation about the project has ha- had him uh, not want to be a part of it anymore. I mean, this is a guy that's made he made movies like uh, The Conjuring and, you know, Sinister and stuff like that. You know, it's it's not the same type of movie that he's used to making, I assume. So, you know, if they're like, hey, this Aquaman's got to be huge hit, you know, and you got it's got to be all kinds of spectacle in there, he just might be like, this is not the movie for me. Yeah, I think they really... Uh <laughs> Batman v Superman should like kind of screw the pooch by showing all of the uh, the future Justice Leaguers in that one little scene. <laughs> Although I gotta say that was probably my favorite part of the whole movie is seeing the Flash in in this reality. Uh, how powerful and dangerous it looks like his his uh, speed force is, where he just does like a quick little zoom back and forth in that you know grocery store convenience store and. It like just him running causes like all kinds of incidental destruction and like lightning and stuff. Right. So that was pretty badass. I'm like, oh, I want to see a big screen version of that. That's something you don't see much where a hero's power has to be used very carefully or risk, you know, like collateral damage. I mean, yeah, sure, you get that from someone like the Hulk, but that's kind of expected. Here, you know, Flash has to be careful because, you know, a simple little zoom, he might, I don't know, like, blow old ladies off into the street or something <laughs> well i mean but then you had the reveal of aquaman's character was very weird and like i don't know it was, i don't know it was a very strange <laughs> cameo in Some, itself when he just kind of floating I, there someone i saw on facebook or reddit uh compared it to uh that scene in zoolander where uh, they're seeing the merman commercial yeah it's exactly what it was like <laughs> Uh, and then, and then your scene with your scene with Cyborg is just all screaming and, and like terror and horror. I mean, what kind of movie is that going to be for for people to go see? Is that going to be DC's horror movie? It's body horror movie, probably. It'd be like a, a human centipede. Yeah, it's going to be body horror stuff. You know, they should get David Cronenberg to direct it, though, and then you'd have a. <laughs> kick-ass movie it won't be cyborg but it'd be awesome <laughs> it will definitely be something <laughs> uh we also have uh uh but see to me I, I like the idea of that scene like the hey this is the future 
that's going to be happening in this universe, but now you have it set up so that, one, it happens right in the middle of the movie, which is dumb. It should have been an after credit scene. Two, it it sets it up as that the as Lex Luthor is the one that named all of them and gave them their symbols and stuff. So Lex Luthor is more you know involved in, with creating the Justice League than anybody else at this point. <laughs> he's, and, a <laughs> he's a fan. He's a fan, and you know it's just it, the scene was so out of place, right? You know, right where it was at. It, it, ugh, I don't know. It it just seemed weird. I, I didn't like the scene. I didn't like that movie. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's to put it simply, yeah. That should go on the box art. I didn't like this movie. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, that's that's the two directors of the of the two movies um, that are possibly be leaving, and but we still have uh, the Batman standalone movie. Which even if the rest of this Justice League universe dies, I'm pretty sure this Batman movie is going to get made with Bat- with uh, Ben Affleck. And Jeff Johns writing the script and Ben Affleck directing it, you know, that that part has got to come out of it. Well, I mean, that, it seems to be that you know everybody is in agreement, except for me, that Ben Affleck as Batman was the best thing about Batman v Superman. And to me, uh, I don't know, it just seemed like I didn't get enough of him as Batman for it to actually uh, for me to warrant saying that he was the best thing in the movie or that he was a good Batman. He literally has. Five pages of lines. The rest of it is a stunt double doing all the kicking and fighting and then CGI and then him just staring off into the distance a bunch of times. So you can't sit there and tell me that I was wrong, that Ben Affleck was not going to make a good Batman Bruce Wayne. No, definitely. But it should definitely come off as a sign of how bad the movie is that he was the best part of it. (laughs) In spite of all that. There you go. That's true. (laughs) That tells you how bad the movie was. I mean, it's Batman v Superman. It's supposed to be the sequel to Man of Steel, and yet Superman feels like he was hardly in it. Yeah, I think uh, someone I read somewhere online uh, that they they put together all of his lines and Superman's lines in the movie, and he comes up to like a number of forty seven. I think he has forty seven lines total in the whole movie, and this, he's supposed to be half that movie. Now, wouldn't it be cool? Because it feels like they're kind of building up towards injustice. If this is that universe that all this takes place in, and then, like, in the second Justice League movie, or maybe even at the end of the first, a portal opens up, and you have all of these characters from, like, the good universe. (laughs) And they're wearing, like, comic-accurate costumes. So you've got the bright blue and red superman and like a you know gray and purple batman and you know, the the classic wonder woman they all come through and like help you know curb stomp this <laughs> superman as i've heard other people call it the murder verse <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah this is the, uh, this is what is it the uh this is the crime syndicate of america yeah look i I, I love I love the idea of of multiverse and you know eventually they'll be like hey here's your regular the verse that you wanted and stuff like that but that's all wishful thinking and that's all like people just be trying to trying to justify you know the bad decisions that they made with this movie so 
it's it's not going to happen. We're just going to have to wait another, I think, 20 years before we get a good-looking DC universe. Once, you know, maybe Marvel movies have kind of died away and people are wanting to see uh, comic book movies again. And we won't have to see a Death of Superman, Dark Knight Returns, uh, Doomsday, uh, Justice League War movie all rolled into one. Yeah, it really was too much. And at first I was excited by the prospect of having like a three-hour, you know, Blu-ray edition. Even if it was rated R, I was like, well, I could do without the extra bloody violence, I guess. But having more story might help clear up all of these plot holes and things that don't make sense. But also now it just kind of feels daunting. Like, I don't know if I actually want to sit through that again. I know, another three hours. <laughs> another three hours to watch maybe... Three, you know, thirty minutes of more story that might give us more explanation. Probably not. It will probably yeah. just end up being more like uh, more split or not split screen, but uh, quick cut scenes that have nothing to do with anything else, and just uh, <laughs> it, it was just bad. To to kind of wrap up the whole directors of the DC universe right now, uh, the rumor mill also has George Miller of. Uh, Mad Max fame coming in to direct the Green Lantern Corps movie. Well, that's an interesting choice because back in the day he was slated to direct the Justice League movie in the what late nineties? Yeah, I think it was was it late nineties or early two thousands? It might have been might have been early two thousands when like the superhero boom started to take off again. Yeah, you're thinking about the one with uh, was it Adam Brody as Flash? Yes, yeah. that's the one. And uh, was it DJ Con- DJ Contaron Cortona or something like that is Superman and Army Hammer was going to be Black Batman. Apparently, they had gotten yeah. really far with that that movie, and they were gonna you know there was going to be a lot of uh, they had already had costumes and screen tests and stuff like that. You know how they did the the whatever happened to or the death of Superman, whatever happened to uh, documentary that came out. Oh yeah, the death and uh, the death of Superman lives. Yeah, the death of Superman lives. That's what it was called. Uh, apparently, they're supposed to be doing a documentary like that about that particular Justice League movie. Also, Justice League Mortal, yeah. I believe, is what it was called. Jonathan Schnepp, I believe, is a director. I think he mentioned that on one of the podcasts with Kevin Smith. You remember that? That he was going to be doing that too. Yes. Nice. Uh, He's actually um, he mentioned on Batman on Fat or was it Fat Man on Batman? that he uh, is actually um, starting a TV series of nothing but this kind of programming of, you know, hey, what happened behind the scenes of this thing? Why didn't this get made? Kind of. That's incredible. I would love to watch that show if yeah, it ever happened. Because you always hear these rumors about these movies or these TV shows that were getting made and never got off the ground. Like, uh, like you, you, you know the British IT crowd, right? Yes, they were supposed to. They they made the pilot for the American version with Joel McHale as uh, as Roy. I want to know whatever happened oh. to that. I mean, not, oh. I'm not saying it was going to be anywhere near as good as the British version, but I would like to know what happened with it. Yeah, that's a side of media and entertainment that fascinates me: is the stuff that doesn't get made or gets to a certain point and then gets shelved. For yeah, exactly. Reason. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. I would love to know about that too. So if he gets, <laughs> he gets around to making that show, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'll be, I'll be there every week watching it. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I think it's going to be a Hulu series, but I, I don't remember for certain. But um, I'll have to look it up. Cool. Um, on a related note, who would you see as replacement directors for either Flash, Aquaman, or both? Ooh. Um, uh, you know, the whole idea behind uh, Aquaman is that I would love to see, like, underwater battles and, like, and stuff like that. And so you'd want to get someone that's good at doing uh, special effects works for that, uh, especially so since, Cameron, huh? So James Cameron? I mean, that would be great, but I doubt <laughs> you get James Cameron to do it. Um, I don't know who would be really cool for uh, an Aquaman movie. I'm trying to think of what what would be uh, a good equivalent. What I mean. Who is it that directed the Conan the Barbarian with uh, with J- Jason Momoa? He might be a good idea. I, yeah, I enjoyed that it? movie. Wasn't that Len Weiss? I think was it. That that could I, that could definitely be. Uh, I believe so. The, like you did uh, the fucking the movies with with uh, Kate Beckinsale, the underground underworld movies. <laughs> the underground movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that was him. And the um, Edward Norton, Norton Hulk, I believe. No, Edward Norton, Norton Hulk was... Uh, uh, wasn't that Louis Amour? Louis Desposito or something like that? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, there could definitely be a lot of uh, in- incredible up-and-coming directors that that could do it too. Uh, you know, who who who? Could, that's who they were trying to go with, uh, obviously. But then they didn't seem to pull it out. Uh, a flash. Who could do? I mean, it's it's all about speed and and, and fat and heart and stuff like that. So. Uh, my suggestion's a little off the wall. Follow me on this one. Okay. The, flash. the guys behind Crank. That would be pretty awesome, but I mean, there's such crude humor that I don't see that coming from Barry. But then again, this is the this is the weird dark DC world, so you know, maybe murderverse. It is the murderverse. You could have Crank. You could have a was it Neville and uh and I forget what the other guy's name is, but yeah, that, that works for me. Yeah, that that could, be, I mean, uh, I guess I was thinking kind of like Justin Lin since he did all those Fast and the Furious movies, but isn't he already slated to direct? Um... Well, he just got done directing Tr- Star Trek Three or Star Trek Beyond. Oh, that's right. So I don't know what he's he's up to doing next. Hmm. He would be a good choice. Ooh, how choice. about like the director of the Raid? That would be interesting. I don't remember who. Isn't that Garth Edwards or something? Gareth Edwards? Gareth Edwards, yeah. I think so, yeah. That'd be pretty interesting. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, but what I was trying to get to with uh, George Miller as uh, the the director of Green Lantern Corps, I, I personally did not like Mad Max Fury Road, but I think it would be great to see him do a do this Green Lantern movie, especially if they did a lot of practical effects. I mean... I think that's kind of one of the things that was the downfall of the Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds uh, that Martin Campbell directed. You know, they relied so heavily on the special effects, which you'd think you'd have to because it's 
all glowing lights and beams and energy and, you know, making constructs and stuff. But if you could do some more stuff that had to do practically, it could look pretty awesome. Yeah, someone that really knows how to push practical to its limits and um, just knows how to take care of the studio's money because that's really what matters to them. You know, they make sure you spend it right and spend as little as possible. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, did you have a, another story that you wanted to get to? Uh, just a couple of quick things wanted to hit up. Hearthstone, if you're a gamer and like those uh, Magic the Gathering style card games, uh, has just released an update called Whispers of the Old Gods. Whispers of the Old Gods. And if you have a Battle.net account from playing World of Warcraft or Heroes of the Storm or anything like that, it's a free-to-play game. And you get three free packs just for signing up. And you can win up to seven more free packs just by playing through the tutorial, getting the hang of it. And it's pretty neat. If uh, you're into World of Warcraft lore, the old gods are similar to the Lovecraft um, monsters. Right. Where they, you know, they drive you crazy. They look really funky. They have tentacles and eyeballs everywhere. And it's a pretty nice addition. It kind of changes the game a little bit. It's much more aggressive, and it's a lot of fun. Like I said, just if you have some time to kill, you can play it on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Huh. That's very cool. I know a lot of people that play that game would probably be interested. Or play Hearthstone. Yeah. Other than that, let's get to some Thrones. All right. Um, so we have, this is the season premiere of season six. Correct. This is a and this is an interesting like um, territory for Game of Thrones right now because uh, for all the people that have read the books, it, you know this the show is now surpassed where the books are at. So everybody who's watching is now on the same almost the same field, they're same plane basically. Now, I personally have never read the books. Uh, John, have you read the books? Uh, yeah, I've read the books, uh, read the supplemental stuff. Uh, I read the wiki, I read the fan theories. Um, I'm really obsessed and into Game of Thrones is what I'm saying here. <laughs> Good, and, because uh, uh, I'm kind of more of a casual watcher. I mean, I, I, I think I, I'm able to keep up with everything that's going on story-wise, but uh, I'm, I, I like to hear the supplemental and extra things that I might miss because I haven't read the books or because I don't know the, the extended world as well. So I'm glad that we're able to do this. Um, but, but it is true though, that we are all kind of on the same plane now because readers of the books don't have information that people who only watch the show don't have. Right. Yes. For the most part, there's actually <laughs> still a couple of lingering storylines within the books are that haven't been resolved in the show yet. Um, uh, are we the main sl- one being oh, everything ahead. having to do with the Iron Islands okay. and Theon's family. Okay. Um, if you remember back in season four, I believe when um, Joffrey dies and uh, they kill um, uh, Rob Stark, that was apparently because Stannis Baratheon um, made Melisandre, the Red Priestess, the Red Woman. Um, do a spell basically wherein they put some leeches on one of the bastards of Robert Baratheon because he has King's blood. Right. And uh, 
threw those leeches into fire and named three names. Mm-hmm. And those were three names of people that were supposed to die. And they were um, trying to go after the crown, basically. Right, and those um, were, that was in the show. Yeah, so that was uh, Joffrey Baratheon. Um, Robert Stark. Rob Stark and the Iron Islands, uh, Theon Stad. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Oh, now. okay. Um, Balon Greyjoy, I believe. Yeah. Um, all of them were supposed to die relatively close to each other time-wise, but he's still alive two seasons later, the Balon Greyjoy. Right. Um, this hasn't been explained why. Um, in the books, it's pre- it, it makes it pretty clear that the spell works, and that's why they all die. Um, however, in the show, their whole storyline was kind of just put on the back burner. I mean, they had one brief scene last season where they try to rescue Theon, and they're like, ah, forget it, he's, he's too far gone, we'll just say he's dead. And this season, um, I believe they're finally going to catch up to that, and have the power struggle in the Iron Islands when Balon finally dies. Uh, how that's going to happen hasn't been made clear yet. Um, and it's kind of interesting, like I said, that it, because of the, uh, the, just the time difference from when those other events took place to now, if that's supposed to mean that the spell doesn't work and those other people died just out of coincidence... Or, you know, like it kind of changes the, the dynamic a little bit with Melisandre. And uh, even with this first episode here, we're seeing that, you know, maybe her power is not, not all that she makes it seem to be. Well, it's the, I think that's a very good point coming into this, this episode. Uh, because, you know, at the end of last season, season five, we see the death of Jon Snow. And, you know, right before that happens, uh, where the rest of the Night's Watch kills him, um, you see the, the, the red writ witch come into Castle Black and uh, you just you have to assume that she knows she's gonna eventually bring him back to life because we, we saw in earlier seasons where people who believe in the, the Lord of Light or whatever he's called uh, are able to to resurrect people or to heal that one dude and that, that was part of the bandits or whatever those those guys were. So and the Brotherhood without banners. There you go, the Brotherhood without banners. So you would think that she's going to do that. And in this whole episode, you're kind of wondering, is she going to do something? Is she going to do something? And then eventually, at the very end of the episode, you just she kind of takes off her clothes and, and reverts to, I'm guessing, what what her actual looks look like. Yeah, that was interesting because that hasn't been done in the books yet. They hint at it, um, especially that that little ruby that she wears on her choker uh-huh. has, has some kind of cloaking power. Um in the books, they use a smaller version of that, like a bracelet, on Mance Raider. Ah. Because Mance Raider's still alive. They pretend to kill him in Castle Black, similar to how they do in the show. Right. Um, however, later on in, the, in Book 5, you find out he's actually still alive. They just put a, a bracelet on him like that because they need his help to go take over Winterfell. Wow. And Stannis Baratheon is still alive. He's actually leading a charge down there. And, um, yeah, so they, they definitely hint that she has, uh, like, appearance-changing powers, but nothing this drastic where it turns out she's actually, like, a 90-year-old-looking woman. Yeah, it was it was quite the drastic look, or change in looks. Uh, so that was quite the, the weird thing to see at the end of that episode. And, in, you know, 
with as much that's going on, Jon Snow's body is just sitting there, you know, uh, deteriorating more and more. And uh, but talking about resurrections, uh, the mountain, you know, we saw more of what's his new name now? Oh, uh, Sir Robert Strong. Yeah, Sir Robert Strong. You know, he's hanging around um, uh, Cersei like all the time, and anywhere she goes, he's there and. It, you know, he's definitely a person that's been brought back from the dead by science, for the most part. You know, here's a little fun fact about that character, too. It, in the show, they don't really explain it much, but in the books, they actually decapitate the mountain and send the head to Dorne as a show of good faith that, hey, look, the guy that killed your princess from back in the day is now dead. Here's his head. And um, at the beginning of book five i want to say um after cersei finds out that um Tyrion killed their dad she puts a bounty on Tyrion, and all kinds of people start murdering dwarves you know in the hopes that that's Tyrion and bringing their heads in right and they're like uh that's not him and they're like well can i get some compensation i mean i killed him already and they're like uh get that out of here <laughs> and that maester um that created the mountain zombie says hey let me have one of those heads i think i have a use for it he just puts so a dwarf's head on top of a giant's body yeah so the mountain in the books is actually the body of the mountain and the head of some random decapitated midget wow and so like the description of it is really funny because it's this big lumbering towering dude with just like a tiny little like helmet that doesn't seem humanly possible to wear it's really interesting and i'm kind of sad they didn't go with that in the show but so this meister meister is uh, basically just pulled a frankenstein's monster yeah yeah that's uh that's pretty incredible though so that's the difference between the the science and the magic in this particular world i guess they're one and the same yeah almost (laughs) um what else did we see in this episode we saw uh, Theon and uh, Sansa, you know, are actually making a break for it. You know, we saw it at the end of the last season, and they're actually uh, getting pretty far away. But Sansa kind of reverting back to being her whiny self, and like I can't get in the water, and uh, you know, kind of complaining about having to run away and stuff. Well, that's what they were starting her with, but if you remember by the end, when Brienne comes and saves the day and, you know, swears her oath, she kind of reverts to a more ladylike stance. Like, she stands up a little straighter and says, yes, I will take you, you know, like, because you want to be my, you know... Knight, savior, bodyguard, whatever. Yeah, like, she then has to kind of stand up and take the right place of being the lady or the, you know, the, the proper and um, Stark house noble that she is. Yeah. Cause at this point she's the only one that has any claim to the, to Winterfell. And she doesn't know that though, right? She still thinks John is alive. Yeah. I don't think anybody knows that he's dead yet. Cause he, it just happened like right. the day before or the night before. Um, um, cause I think even Brienne says something or, Someone says something about taking Sansa to Castle Black to, to see John, right? Yeah, that was Theon. Was it Theon? Okay. Yeah. That was uh, that. Oh God! Even though you know Theon wasn't a 
you know, the best character before when he became Reek. I, you know, I started feeling so bad for him. And then when those uh, guards caught up to them and he was like, uh, you know, I'll distract them if you, you, you run away. And the guard was just like, oh, I can't wait to find out what, <laughs> what, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Ramsey does to you now. And I was just like, oh, that's sad. I really don't want to know what he's going to do to him next. Oh, uh, we might reattach another wiener and then take that off again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so explain to me uh, what it is that uh, Littlefinger's like plan was to marry Sansa off to uh, Ramsey Bolton. Well, Littlefinger is like a really confusing, conniving. Uh, person here because right now he, he is the he's the ruler of um the the mount the misty mountains or whatever right or what was it called the, the irie yeah the irie okay yeah he's in charge of that right now um his whole thing is that he's always been in a quest for power he was very lowborn he kind of got into some prominence early on in life because he was good with like math and economics and stuff so people could use him but you know, nobody ever actually wanted to give him any power, and he's always had this inferiority complex. You know, stemming from when you know he proposed his love to uh, Ned Stark's sister, Lyanna, and um, oh, no, that, I'm sorry, yeah, he, 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 Caitlin, he, Caitlin, yeah, who eventually becomes yeah. Ned Stark's wife after, right, right, yeah, yeah, the other way around. <laughs> Yeah, so I have a baby on my lap, and she's, like, messing around with my stuff here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he's always kind of held on to that, like, oh, yeah, that was the most embarrassing thing in my life when a noble put me in my place. You know, it was... Um, oh, there you go. Ned Stark's older brother that, did, that uh, like, scarred him and stuff. Um, so, yeah, he's always now just kind of been in a quest for power. And he'll do anything and everything, and he'll use anyone in his in to to get what he wants. Now it seemed like for a while he was very obsessed with maybe hooking up with Sansa. Basically, as a way is, of yeah, is getting like, getting getting to Caitlyn through her, you know. Yeah, like I'll have the best of both worlds. It's someone that's still related to Caitlyn, but younger, I guess, right? Hotter maybe, and um, but. I don't think he puts anything above his quest for power, even like his own needs. Um, so it was a power play to, at the same time, kind of screw over the the Lannisters because they do not approve of Sansa being remarried to Ramsay when she's still technically married to uh, Tyrion. Right. And um, not only that, but Cersei being the kind of person she is, you know, she kind of wants her dead anyway. Right, because um, she still thinks that she's, that she's involved with Joffrey's death, right? Um, so I think what Littlefinger was doing is, like, well, she's kind of too hot to to keep right now until, like, you know, the uh, the pressure dies down. So in the meantime, let me do this little side project of, you know, forging an alliance with uh, with Winterfell, with uh, and um, so the true ruler the Winterfell. Marries off to uh, Castle Bolton. I don't know what what's their lands called because they're also they're also um, in the north. Uh, I forget the name of their territory, but yeah, the Boltons. Um, 
Which right now just supposed to be a minor house. Lord Bolton is the 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 warden of the North, right? Right. So that would you know that would be a big chunk of the North being owned by one family again. That's not the Lannisters. Yeah, but nobody wants them there. Nobody else in the North like recognizes their their uh, authority right now. Right. Exactly. So they're in a precarious position. So Sansa means everything. She's like the linchpin to a lot of different schemes right now. So then if Littlefinger can then eventually kill off both Lord Bolton and Ramsay Bolton and then remarry Sansa, he would have all three lands to himself from the north. Yeah. Okay. So it's a it's a long con that he's working <laughs> Yeah, but then he'd also have to get Sansa to get, go through a whole lot of crap living with Ramsay Bolton. Yeah, not to mention any possible heirs she might give him. Right, as you know, they showed that he was clearly trying to do. Yes, because yeah, that's a, that's the the way you uh, cement any kind of <laughs> family bargaining in this world is you have to have an heir. Yeah, it's a really interesting system, very medieval, as obviously it's inspired. But if you really think about it, you kind of wonder how come some of these families don't just go extinct from like all the inbreeding and crossbreeding they do with like their neighbor and. Especially, yeah, especially <laughs> with, like, uh, what was it, Sansa's aunt's son, the one that, uh, the little boy? Oh, yeah, Robin. Robin, that's right. He's he's a product of inbreeding. Look at him. He's weird. <laughs> yeah, he's a little on the, uh, like, shallow gene pool side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even more so than Joffrey, who we know are a product of brother and sister. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least uh, he had pretty good stock to start with, so he was just like a distilled version. (laughs) (laughs) And a little bit on the crazy side. Yeah. Uh, I guess the last part I want to get to is the whole, we still have this whole um, kingdom versus religion in in King's Landing. Uh, Obviously, at the end of last season, Cersei was able to get out, and she walked all the way from whatever that was at the Citadel to the the castle and having to be stark naked and stuff thrown at her and the lady yelling shame, shame, shame as she walked. Uh, but we still have Marjorie Tyrell and her brother stuck inside uh, that church area. Yeah, um, from the previews that they've shown, they do see that there's a, a conflict that's coming up that's going to pit basically the whole kingdom against the the uh, the religious sect here. The um, um, I forget what it's called. Calling? The sparrows. The sparrows. Okay. And um, yeah, like there's like I said, there's a lot of deviation from the books, so a lot of fans are now kind of on equal ground. Because, like, where is this going to go? It can go either way. I mean, I didn't see the <laughs> the situation in Dorne resolving the way it did on the first episode. Oh, I, I didn't. I was not expecting that either. For the basically, what are they called? The the sand vipers, the the girls, the, the sand snakes, yeah. sand snakes. Yeah, that to to do a coup the way they did. And <laughs> now, what's funny about that is that they did try a coup in the books in book four. Um, the the Dorne has this really interesting history where the reason why they still have prince princes and princesses is because they never submitted to the rule of the Targaryens when they conquered Westeros. They were the only country that 
was able to keep fighting them off and eventually just said like hey all right we'll like join alliances since neither of us is getting anywhere and they're like okay so that's why the 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 slogan of Dorn is unbowed, unbent, unbroken. Right. Because they never submitted. They just, like, equally, you know, joined their kingdoms. Um, and they also have this history where the women are treated as equals to the men. Right. Whereas in the rest of Westeros and Essos, too, you know, the, the eastern side, uh, women are kind of seen as property at best and, you know, livestock at worst. And um, so in Dorne, anybody can rule, whether it be a man or a woman. You don't have to be married to someone. You could just be a princess and have the same amount of power that you would as if you were the prince. And so in the books, they try to get Marcella to, like, they, they brainwash her into believing that she could be the ruler of, of Westeros because of the philosophy of Dorne. Right. So they try a coup, and it fails miserably. <laughs> like, it gets put down bad. Um, Marcella gets injured, but she's still alive, and all of the Sand Snakes get injured, or not injured, uh, incarcerated. Uh, however, that's when Prince Doran reveals his master plan. He says, the reason why we've been um, kind of just taking it in stride that they killed, you know, Oberyn and... Um, Ilaria and uh, no, not Ilaria. Um, the the other princess, the one that was killed by the mountain, right, a long time he, ago. He raped and killed her, and all right, that right, stuff. right. Um, yeah, the reason why is because he actually wants to reinstate the Targaryens, um, and he knows about uh, Daenerys. Originally, oh. he was supporting a plan. If you remember, um, at the beginning of the show, the uh, Daenerys and her brother are living kind of well off but on the run in uh, Essos with uh, some rich guy. Right. They're partially being bankrolled by Dorne. Ah. He's kind of helping to like keep them, you know... To get them back power. to the to Westeros so that they can be the yeah. rulers? And yeah, and the original plan was to have the brother, uh, Viserys, um, be the the ruler but after he died they kind of had to change their plans and they were working on building up Daenerys uh-huh. and in the books they even go so far as to send another prince from Dorne uh, who's not in the show to um, Marine and try to convince Daenerys of this plan and to marry him so they can unite their kingdoms and it'll be the old Martell Targaryen you know relationship so is that why uh, the the one, the one guy, and I can't think of his name right now. Oh, Sir uh, jo- Jother, Jost, Joster, J- the guy who protects Daenerys all the time, the knight. Uh, oh, um, the uh, did you mean Barristan Selmy, the older one, or the no, one no. that she keeps kicking away? The one she keeps that. kicking away, yeah, Jorah. Oh, that's uh, Jorah. Yeah, is that why he kind of dresses like uh, the people from Dorne, like? Um, in a kilt kind of thing instead of a full-on armor yeah no he does still have his armor at least as far back as um at the end of season one you can see him suit up when he's gonna protect Daenerys from the other uh blood riders right and um after that you don't really see him wear it anymore and i think that's more just the uh like to do with how hot it is and you know it's also heavy 
True. And a lot of the fighting that you have to do in that area, you don't have to fight other armored warriors. And uh, their weapons are also not like broadswords and longswords. They usually use like these short kind of knives and scythes. So it pretty much just kind of sticks to a more light and mobile um, fighting style now. And like the, the clothes he wears now is basically just the stuff he would wear under the armor. Okay. So I guess that brings us to that, that, that side of the world at this point um, where they're at. Was that Marine? Yes. And uh, you have Tyrion trying to become the in-place ruler until Daenerys comes back. And then Daenerys has uh, been captured by... Which I didn't under, I didn't realize that they had more... What, what are those uh, tribes called? Kelisars. Yeah. I didn't realize there were more of those other than just Khal Drago's tribe. Yeah, the Dothraki are like Dothraki. nomadic. They're uh, they're nomadic and they're clan like, and sometimes they go to war with each other. Other times they kind of just ignore each other. Um, but yeah, there's several. Um, when Daenerys uh, burned Khal Drogo at the end of season one, uh-huh. she was um, what she was supposed to do was go back to base Dothrak. That's their homeland. Their capital city i guess or the closest they have to that right and um she's supposed to go to this temple where all of the widows of other cows basically have to live the rest of their life um i don't know what why that is their custom maybe they'll explain a little bit more about that in the show in the book that's just well that's just how it is that's what they do um but they are very respected as you can see they were talking all kinds of smack about her and what they're going to do to her and stuff and they didn't care about any of her titles or her, you know, achievements until she said she married Cal Drogo. And they're like, oh, okay, well, sorry about that. We didn't know. Well, I also thought that was funny is that, you know, she just, like, says it and they just take it at face value. I mean, she could literally have been anybody and just been like, oh, yeah, and I also married Cal Drago. So uh, he's not here to prove that, prove it any otherwise because he's dead. But <laughs> just take they're my word for it. People. Yeah. <laughs> They haven't discovered the art of deception yet. I guess the well, Tyrion's <laughs> there. He'll he'll, he'll show it to him. Uh, and um, yeah, so that's going to be interesting because at the same time, it's also going to take away from her plot of actually becoming the ruler of anything because now she's going to be away from home, and the whole season is going to be about her being taken to this place and how she's going to eventually escape from there. Yeah. Wow. And you got it's, Drogon just kind of doing his own thing, being a dragon, and the other two dragons are stuck in a hole. <laughs> yeah, they should make an Instagram account and call it Just Dragon Things. I mean, like, <laughs> have pictures of burnt sheep corpses and stuff. <laughs> well, okay, I think we've done a pretty good job of uh, covering that first episode of Season 6. Uh, what is something that you're hoping to see come up in this in this season? Um, I would really like it just for the shock value for them not to resurrect Jon Snow. I think that'd be interesting. Uh, I mean, that's what everybody is. Everybody's expecting it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, if you know anything about George R. R. Martin is that as soon as he knows people expect something, he wants to kind of turn that up on its head. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, I think the one thing that I'm really excited, I don't know what about what I expect to see, but something I'm really excited to see is uh, the more of Brienne and, and Podrick and uh, uh, now Sansa and, and Theon and where their venture goes to. Oh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Well, they have a few choices. I mean, they can go up north to try to see Jon Snow and just get disappointed that he's dead. Right. Or um, pretty much that's it. They could go back maybe to Brienne's homeland. That's true. That doesn't sound like it would make for an exciting story, so... (laughs) Maybe make it to the... What if they make it to the... What's the, the, the island with the Iron Bank? Oh, Bravos. Bravos, yeah. Maybe they they can yeah. make it there and and they'll find Arya. find Arya. Yeah, but she won't see them because she'll be blind. <laughs> wait, wait where's the youngest brother? Not Bran. Uh, Rickon Stark. Yeah, he's with the the wild thing, wildling, right? The wild thing. The wild thing. <laughs> That's what the young called her. Um, yeah, she's uh, with Osha. There are well. In the books, it hasn't been made clear where they are, but it's been hinted at um, because Sir Bra- uh, Sir Bravos, um, Sir Davos gets sent on a mission to rescue him. Apparently, they might be in the islands of Skagos, which okay. is not one that we've heard too much about in the show, but it's sort of like the Iron Islands. Um, where Theon's from. Okay. Only a little bit more savage. Um, if you remember the uh, season one when um, Tyrion is coming back home from the Eyrie after being let go and they run into like what they call uh, like a mountain clan. Basically, they just look like a bunch of Vikings. Um, yes. They're sort of like that in Skagos, um, except they're a little more on the uh, cannibalistic side as well. And... Um, Rumor has it that's where they went in the books. Um, why they went there isn't really known. Their whole storyline, I mean, they've been missing ever since, um, like, book two, I believe. Or three. All right. Sounds good. Uh, I think that will bring us to a close for episode one. How do you feel? Um, I feel like there's still so much to cover, but we have plenty of more episodes to uh, <laughs> That's right. We, have, we do have plenty more episodes to go. Uh, John, do you have a Twitter or uh, some type of social media that you'd want to promote? Um, not yet, but I think I'm going to have to soon, so uh, I'll keep you posted on that as well. You definitely want to get on that. Uh, I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter. We are at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. We are also Geek Elite Radio on Facebook, and geekeliteradio.com is our, is our website where you'll find uh, all of our other podcasts and soon to be this one. So... Uh, with all that being said, this has been the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network, saying to remember always to geek out. geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.